He had not won his match against Mark Norman yet, but that would I would not throw the match. Fiori attempted to intimidate Norman from this first tee. He told Norman, you got no chance to beat me. He then added, if we happen to be close on the 15th tee, he would give me $1,000 to lose the match, said Norman. <laughs> Love this guy. He sounds like a Tim Tim Man, <laughs> Mike, you better bring 1000 bucks to <laughs> so, Chicago. We're going to yes. Chicago. Let's roll it. Well, I'm going to Chicago Man, it's my kind of town Well, I'm going to Chicago Cause it's my kind of town Well, I'm gonna hit all the blues clubs Sure as my feet touch the ground This is episode 65 of the Break 80 Podcast. Dowd's here. The band is back together. Joining me is Short Sighted Mike as well as Top 100 Tim. Good to be back. Looking forward to chatting with you boys as we get started. I want to ask you something. As of tonight, Tim beat Mike for the first time in the history of their matchups. We Tim. are the champions. Tim, we I gotta ask. We are the champions. Did you... uh? Did you order a broomstick lab putter from Golo Golf to beat Mike tonight, or is it just the generational ball striking exhibition that only Ben Hogan would understand? You know, I uh, I did make a lot of a lot of necessary putts out there, but it was with the orange spider. Although I put myself into a lot of really bad places with the orange spider that led to a lot of eight footers made. Let's be honest, the lag putting was uh, uh, subpar. In in he, the the bad subpar way, he leg putted like he was a blind man, and then every single time made like an eight footer coming back for par. It was ridiculous. But I already saw I already saw the break going through. It was yeah. It was like a wrecking ball right past the pin. Timmy played well. I'm not I'm not a sore loser. I got beat. I did. I, I thought I thought I could stretch this run to a hundred, and it only made it to fifty one. So what what is, what is it? What is the actual record then? I am. Do you want to do it, Tim's record or mine? Who? Which one do you want to start with? Which one? Do you, which one either do you one. Like? Either one. Tim is one. Oh yeah, fifty-one and two. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! I, I am, Don't call it I a am, comeback. <laughs> I am fifty-one, one and two now. I, I had rolled. I had rolled off fifty-one wins without a loss with a couple of ties. But uh, yeah, no, I think Tim. I didn't. I hadn't played in like 10 days and I, I hit it outside the first three holes. I hit it pretty good after that. I didn't, I didn't make any putts. I didn't putt awfully. Just didn't. Trending. Trending. Looking real down for you boys. I mean, Jeff lost two hard ones this week, this weekend. And then I, I come back tonight and, and fire a, a W. And I think it's just a conspiracy so that Mike can, can shade his Cinderella story. Everybody loves the, the underdog, Tim. Everybody loves, you know, the the underdog is not a six foot seven, two hundred and sixty pound seven. Viking. Oh my God, Viking maybe. But for the listeners that are listening, you know, before we get to Michigan Thursday, 
we're going to we, we may possibly golf in like four states this weekend it's it's a possibility we're going to chicago for the bmw these two these two cronies here have been just grinding they played so much golf this weekend they played 36 one day and then they went here and they went there and jeff was out early at wildmarsh grinding i'm just gonna show up with one round played today in like 10 days cinderella story out of nowhere you know just hoping hoping to do okay in, in the major again this year you know last year I, I did okay see it's weird because last time we chatted when i got close you said when you lost her the first time, you were likely going to have to practice, which is completely defeating this whole Cinderella well, I don't story. Have, I don't have any time to practice. I, I have stuff going on the next two days, so we're just going to roll into it like normal. And this is why I'm going to continue to win, because you two made priorities that just do not fit winning at golf. Stop. And I, <laughs> Hold I think on. we've Hold. seen on the tour a lot. You get tied down with these secondary or tertiary Hold priorities. Hold on, Tim. Wait a second. <laughs> Our majors... Let you ask answer this question. Are majors match play? Oh no, we're going to stroke. We're going. Oh, stroke. we're going. Oh, we're going. Oh, we're going to go to stroke. So yeah. just just so yeah. you know, I've I've beaten you in stroke the last what three rounds. That's not that. That's not the game that was. I, hand, I, I get though, that. Chad. I get no. that. But that means that my game is better suited for major season. Here's that's like hey, it's if I said. Jeff, meet me in this alleyway. It's a gunfight, and you show up with a knife, and then, and then you get beat. So you're it's not like trying to shoot ball. the lowest. You're not trying to shoot the lowest score you can when you when you tee it up. No, I'm just trying to beat Mike or you. Here's how this yeah. is going to work when we go to when we go on this trip. It's we're going to do both because we all know that match play is the superior form of golf. It's the way golf was meant to be played. Par. The whole idea of of par being a score was invented later they played nothing but match play early on they didn't even worry about par who was better who won the hole that's how golf was meant to be played superior form of golf but we are also for this major going to however many rounds we end up playing four or five whatever we're just going to have a cumulative score and the lowest score is going to be your major champion but while we're doing that each round we can still do match play against each other still give like two and three footers who gives a shit you know we, we want we want the pace of play to be up we're not going to putt everything out we're not it's not, <laughs> it's not the pga tour <laughs> we can still so says can the still pencil play. grip connoisseur i was putting tim a tim, tim a put a five footer and i banged it right in the hole five footers are not good that yeah, was probably not quite five since i since i remember it was fairly oh. short but um yeah we could do both we could do match play while we're doing stroke play why not so yeah, yeah. We, we, we got a lot of we got a lot of hours to to figure that out on the car rides. But um the agenda tonight, uh, we'll talk a little FedEx St. Jude, um, the AIG women's open. Mike and Tim um went and played up north a couple weekends back. Uh the big amateur tournaments that are held in Minnesota, they played the three courses. We can talk those tournaments as they've all wrapped up now. Uh and then yeah, we'll talk a little bit more maybe about our plans heading to Chicago for the BMW championship. Um, so that's kind of our agenda with some other things mixed here and there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's get to it. Let's talk. I'm excited to talk a little bit of golf. I think, uh, it was a great week of golf. I think it sets up for a, a decent upcoming weekend. I know it's not a major, but the, the guys, when the money's on the line, when the money is on the line, the guys are going to try to get, especially now with the stroke advantages, they want to get as many strokes out ahead as possible. So it, these weeks are, um, they mean something to those guys because the, the paychecks are much larger if they can finish uh, higher up. So it'll be fun to 
fun to watch. But yeah, this week, uh, Lucas Glover goes back to back. Now, this is 2023. This is not, uh, you know, 2010. Lucas Glover is a thing. The 43-year-old continues to ball strike, but he's added something to his game that I don't think anybody saw coming. I don't think he saw coming. The lab broomstick was unbelievable this yeah. week. He's got the lab Mez one in the bag. Uh, I believe this is his sixth week playing with it or something like that. Fifth or sixth. And I think he missed a cut somehow at the 3M. I don't know what happened there. But uh, I think since he switched to the long lab putter, he has top six, like, He's got two wins and like three top sixes or something like that. Like just insane uh, difference it's made uh, because he's always been a great iron player. We all know that. But uh, yeah, big win for Lucas Glover. Huge win for the ass sweat guys out there. <laughs> every, every Everybody with sweaty ass that just is, you just got to embrace it like Lucas Glover did because it literally looked like he was like, had been in a swimming pool with his pants on. It was just so embarrassing. It, <laughs> it was, it was. 90 some degrees and something like nearly 70% dew point out there. And the heat index on Sunday was, I think, 105. It even got higher, st- higher than that. Even, but I still, I, even if that is the case, there are so many performance fabrics out right now that don't show that. <laughs> I just, oh, God. A friend so of the bad. pod said that, uh, said that he saw something that said he looks like a five guys to go bag. <laughs> Yeah, he does. Yeah, with the prize is just bleeding up. But okay, so let's talk before we get to the golf. Let's talk about this then. Uh, why does the PGA Tour do this? I, I know it's all sponsorship money and FedEx. Like, did you watch the the ladies amateur at Bel Air? They're playing in like perfect weather, like seventy some degrees, just beautiful. And here, the PGA Tour has scheduled Memphis in the middle of August. And then, like, coming up in two weeks, Atlanta at the end of August, just hot as hell. Like, why? Why, why, why do that? Just go on the West Coast or even the East Coast on the water somewhere or close to the sea where it's cooler. I I don't understand it. It makes no sense. You'd think that New York would have enough big places to sponsor and host a PGA Tour event where it would be 75 degrees, easily accessible, sunny all the time, and we wouldn't be dealing with Lucas Glover and his swamp ass, but his knees Memphis, were sweating. His knees were yeah, sweating. Like his whole, <laughs> I, the back of the knee sweat. It's, it's common. The it's whole, common. like literally from his knee up was like, you had just taken like a hose and just sprayed him down. Like link soul. Come on, do better. Find something. Uh, that looks do, do you think they that. lost a few dollars this week? You think like, Oh, my guy's going to win a tournament. I think that's the opposite. Now that now that he's crazy. Actually, to be fair, it wasn't Linksoul, formerly Ashcroft or whatever Ash. Well, the Ashworth Ashworth guy owns Linksoul. Yeah. He started it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, one in the same. Old brand equals old brand. Goat Hill Far or Goat Hill Park is still a good golf course owned by the same guy. But let's be honest, it's no matter what they do, it's always going to be kind of an outdated clothing company. They just don't have that that modern. And they're, uh, they're, <laughs> his they're pants. Whole... Their whole deal isn't necessarily to do the. They're more of like a lifestyle. They're not like a more of like. What kind of lifestyle is that? Well, that's what they, if you if you ever look at the catalog, it's like surfing and golf, just kind of like lifestyle Whoa. clothing, not not necessarily like performance performance, like all moisture wicking stuff. 
It's not like My yeah, God, it's not it, like people want to wear pants in 110 degrees. Like they're just forced to. Yes, they have. Well, to. It, the lifestyle that they're selling to is the villages right now. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's what it looked like. It looked like a 55 plus year old brand, well, which yeah. very much fit Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover is 43 and he's got bitter beer face all the time. <laughs> I told you, <laughs> it always looks like he's like he's going to start crying or something. I can't, I can't quite picture. But, but to get kind of back to the golf, like. He had gone, I don't know, like 20 something holes without a bogey. And he had kind of screwed up a little bit coming down the stretch. And you could kind of see that I think most people thought at some point one of the big dogs, the big Ryder Cup guys, were going to catch him. He had Cantley, Rory, you know, not to say Fleetwood is a closer by any stretch of the imagination, but he had some really, you know, guys that you would consider, you know, players. Uh, I'm trying to catch him. And it looked like they were. And he didn't given that that time where he hit like I think like a 25 footer for par and then he backed it up with going in the water on the next hole made a 30 footer for bogey then he made a 30 footer for bogey it's just like you know he just didn't quite give in he didn't I think everybody could pretty much write him off at that point that this this is over and then on top of that then he comes back on a hits a great shot on 16 or 15 or something like that misses his little you know seven footer that he has and it just looked like the story was going to be Lucas Glover probably falls one short um, on this one. But he just didn't. He didn't give in. He, he, he birdies the easy par five. And Cantley um, couldn't birdie seven or eight, 17 or 18 to kind of close him out. So goes to the playoff and and uh, Cantley hits the water and he doesn't. And, and the rest is history. So, I mean, and that, Glover, that's golf for you. Yeah. I don't know. He gets a little nervy. It's kind of weird because he uh... – he snap hooked a tee shot on 17, like hardcore, like pull snap hook into behind the trees. Then he had a great, then he had a great kind of little hook underneath it and made par on 17. It was a really good par. Well, he yeah, that, a, he, that was what a 15 footer. Yeah. Yeah. He, did that. Yeah, he, one made. he almost hit the water too. He almost hit that yeah, small. He creek. did that. He did that at the Wyndham last 18. week too. He did like a, yes. He, so he hits, he kind of hits this, like he's got a super reliable draw, which made the playoff like, I don't want to say unfair because Cantley is a really world class player, but like, on that's a that's a nervy that's like got to be one of the most nervy tee shots on tour for those guys, you know. And and Glover's tee ball, you know, his shot shape just sits perfect for that. Just hit that little draw. He did it both in regulation and the playoff with three wood, just you know, the perfect spot. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Glover gets a little nervy, which we could talk Ryder Cup here in a second. But um, well, yeah, and and I think he. Well, first of all, you know, props to TPC Southwood. I, I don't, I, I, you know, coming into it, I don't, I didn't really know much about the golf course. I haven't watched a ton of golf there because most of the time I'm not really caring what's happening. But I really like the closing stretching holes that they had. I felt like it was very much so where like an actual, like a player could actually bogey a hole. You know, like somebody else could could come into the tournament. You know, cat. You know, somebody could go in the water on 18. You know, something could happen. I feel like that's a sign of a good, you know, closing stretch, which was, you know, came into the play in the playoff hole. But yeah, he's, he's got a very, I mean, it does not, he still moves the ball somehow with that smooth swing. I mean, it, he, he was getting it out there 315, 310, you know, and he doesn't look like he puts any effort into it, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, God, how does he, do that and still um you know get the swing speed that he needs when he's 43 like i don't 
I don't understand. Uh, leg, leg, and you know all that stuff is technique is more important than like just swinging hard. But I also I also love that on on eighteen uh, T or seventeen, he's got his hands in the ice in the, in the water cooler because he doesn't wear gloves. He made the comment, or they made it on TV that if he played with a glove, he'd be a ten handicap. He says complete bullshit i'm calling bullshit <laughs> right now the guy just won two tournaments in a row on the pga tour he put a glove on him he's all of a sudden shooting low 80s come on <laughs> mike I, I i think you could admit it just doesn't feel the same with a glove on <laughs> no it's true it's no no good in any situation really <laughs> very, con- <The> ice- <laughs> very, very constricting yeah, <laughs> the ice water bath too. I mean, I don't know if you do that when when we were in the desert. I was all about the the ice towel on the hands just to create artificial sweat, just to get kind of that that wicking, so your hands aren't sweating. It's like pulling the water off, so they're not slippery. So I I completely I get it. But what a madman! His hands must be just blocks. Well, I mean, but they don't look at. I, I looked at. They don't look like they're all tore up or calloused up. I don't. It's yeah. Maybe they're just hard. They're just like all. They can't be callous. They've had so many years of hitting balls. For a guy that sweats that much, you just would think he'd have a, almost an impossible way to keep his hands. Yeah, like gloves are just flying everywhere. Yeah, so, I don't get it. Those Janneking towels, the Tim rolls, Tim rolls must be spectacular. Getting the sweat off his hands. They they are. It's a really nice towel, actually. So Janneking, if you're listening to this, I have one on my bag. I understand it's fifty dollars a week sponsorship. You can make those checks payable to Break Eighty Podcast. <laughs> Well, Cantley hasn't won in a little while here, but one place is that he does really well is on these playoffs. He just seems to just, these are the ones he loves to win. So we thought kind of he'd win another one, but but uh, Lucas closes him out. And then you could pretty much, the story of the year has been, we knew Rory and Fleetwood would do what they do. They would contend without contending, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Just cannot find a way, <sighs> especially if Fleetwood. First of all, Cantley is just waiting. That's not his event. His event is coming up this week. He owns the BMW. He's won the last two, I think, hasn't he? I think he drives one. I don't know. Tim should like Cantley. He's, he's he just owns the BMW Championship. Since since I saw Cantley's fiance, I like him even more. <laughs> I uh, too skinny. I, I, <laughs> too skinny. She she's got a great personality. All right, and uh, if if we're going into it, I I unfortunately we're not going to be there for his press conference, uh, but we will be at the BMW. I would love to be a part of the group that gets to interview Cantlay because I would love to would ask, you him, ask him. I would, I would say, Patrick, if knowing that you're sponsored by DeWalt, if you could be one power tool, which one would it be and why? Just okay. the hard, just the hard hitting questions from the break 80 crew. If, and then also what else is he sponsored by also Goldman can Sachs. Money... He's got the craziest range of sponsors ever. Goldman Sachs and DeWalt. Patrick also amazing fiance want to know can money buy love <laughs> I would ask him flat out Patrick why are you still wearing the same dry joys that I purchased eight years ago and <laughs> and, and, and have and as a as a teacher slash amateur podcaster have myself gotten rid of and you're still wearing those which I don't even think they make anymore which I don't I don't get at all Yeah, but he does own the BMW. I think he's won the last two, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure. He has won. I want to say three of the last like four playoff events or something like that. Like, 
wild. Like those are the events that he was winning. He hasn't won much outside of that kind of stuff the last few years, but uh, yeah, he's definitely has, has owned those. Um, any other takeaways that you guys had from the FedEx? Well, I got a few. Yeah. I mean, the, um, the Fleetwood thing was, you know what it is. Rory is still, he drove the golf ball. It was almost like iron, you know, iron Byron, the driving machine they use to test everything. Did you watch Rory drive it all this week? It was unbelievable. Like on those soft, they had a lot of rains. The fairways were soft. He was hitting every fairway, like three. It was a, one was like 348. It was just unbelievable. I don't, his wedge game has gotten worse. Like he doesn't hit anything that close. It's kind of bizarre, but again, he got T3. He's always there. I mean, if he wins this week, he's back to number one in the world. Uh, we got to talk Taylor Moore. Showed up 105, 110 heat index in all black. Maybe the dumbest move ever. And then halfway <laughs> through the round, switched to a pink shirt. He did somehow shoot convince one. me. Huh? Cannot convince me he's not reptilian now. I mean, the way that he was describing harnessing energy from the sun, it just sounds like he's one of the lizard people that I, I forget which which religion it was based off of these sci-fi novels, but uh, could not convince me that he's not one of those now. Taylor Morby. Taylor Moore did not handle the the moment real well. He was the only guy in the top twenty that shot over par. I will uh, say he had a huge his his putt on eighteen was gigantic because there was a ton of people tied eleven under. Yes, and then he he drained that to get to twelve under and top five finish. Who else? Cam Davis was was out of the top fifty and then T six, and now he's in, moving on to Chicago. Hideki made a huge move. Hideki got in, which is great for us because I'm 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 so interested to see how big the at the 3M the Japanese contingent was pretty large. There was like five or six people, and they follow him around to and they report on every single round. So I'm sure they'll be in Chicago for the uh, BMW. Homa played pretty well in a big event. Um, Spieth, Morikawa, some of the guys like talking about Ryder Cup, like Morikawa are I think some basically I think locked up his spot pretty much. Um, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that before we get off the yeah. PGA tour stuff. You know, now that Lucas Glover's honestly won back to back, do you think that's more impressive or winning like Brian Harmon did? What's more impressive? Well, Brian Harmon won a major. I mean, yeah, but you think of these events. I mean, I guess I should take that back. Lucas Glover last week winning the Wyndham was not a very stacked no. event, but to win two times in a row in professional golf at any level is pretty damn crazy. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I do think it'll be. I'm interested to see what he does this week because he did catch two courses that that fit his eye really well, like at uh, Sedgefield or whatever it is, and um, TPC Southwind they played at right in Memphis. Yep. Yep. I think they suit his eye really well when you listen to him talk about stuff. And uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he does at Olympia fields. And maybe that one does too, but um, there are two courses he's done well at. And the last time we saw Olympia fields, it was the John Rom DJ playoff, right? BMW was there. Yeah. And, and was that last year they were there too? Uh, I don't, 
I, I would say like I, I last time I remember them playing there was it was the it was DJ hit a huge putt on eighteen to tie Rom, and then Rom hits a monster bomb in the playoff to beat uh, DJ. But their scores were like four or five under. Like there was not many people under par for four rounds. So it's a long golf course. It is. It's a big. It's a big course. It's a big. Track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so par seventy as well. I, so last year it was in Wilmington in, yep. in Delaware. Yeah, and I think that's the year that the Rom DJ. It's been a while since it's been in Chicago. Uh so the big question is, you know, the big talk this week is does Lucas Glover make the Ryder Cup? And me personally, I just I mean, remember your your job as Zach Johnson is to, yes, I mean, there's guys that are deserving of it, but ultimately it comes down to you have to pick a team and you have ultimate choice and decisions of who you think in the situations that it's going to be. First of all, everybody talks about this. It doesn't matter what kind of golf that you play. This is the most nerve wracking stepping on the tee golf shots that you will hit in your career. So right. when you talk about Lucas Glover having nerves, being you know showing that those are evident, like you, you you've got to take this in consideration. I mean, yes, he closed out a golf tournament. I, I can agree with that, but you know he had a chance to win it, left his putt short. You know, mm-hmm. on eighteen, um, seventeen and, nervy nervy tee shot on seventeen. Yeah, but but you know I I he has won two two in a row. So as Zach Johnson, you're like oh, he probably. Is is the hottest player right now? You know he probably has has earned it, but yet I have to make the decision that I think is the best for me because ultimately it's going to be my decision, and it's it's you know it's on him whether or not he picks the right people. So it's not easy. Well, he so Tim, you have any thoughts in or out? Um, you know if he's hot with the putter. It's it's hard to argue with a guy that's going to make putts. They're just they're so mentally debilitating when you see someone sink one from from far out there. Well, if you're going um, to take a guy that would make putts, and you could just take Danny McCarthy, <laughs> who was well, dead last this week. And and we have to keep in mind the format of this stuff. Like you, you're you're not like when you play in an individual tournament, right? You are you only think of yourself. There's nothing more than this is for me. When you play in these. It's so much greater than that. The pressure builds. Like yeah. it's like you're putting for your partner that maybe is out of the hole. You're putting for your partner that's alt shot that just stuffed it to six feet for you, and you have to make it. Like these are, these are so much more weighted, you know, yeah. golf shots. You know, and so it's I, I don't know the guys that can have that t- can tap into that mindset because anybody that's done it has probably felt that it is kind of a different feel. Like it's not you're you're putting for for your country. In essence, right? So, I do wonder. I do wonder if Zach Johnson looks at the team now that is predominantly young, and says to himself, "Hey, I can bring someone from from kind of my time because they're not they're not far off in age at all." And if a guy like Lucas Glover is has kind of earned it with his last couple wins and and play, why not take a little bit of experience? Not necessarily in. He's got no Ryder Cup experience. And no, just life, just life experience. He's just going to oh. be boring in the back. It's going to be like, <laughs> guys, you cannot you party in Rome the whole time. Because if you look at the U.S. team, they're actually quite inexperienced. Wyndham Clark, first Ryder Cup. Brian Harmon, first Ryder Cup. Cameron Young probably makes the team. 
first Ryder Cup. Um, Max Homa probably makes it first Ryder Cup. If you took Lucas Glover, you're up to five guys that have never played in a Ryder Cup. So I think that's a, that's a negative against him already. Um, secondly, he's still 16th in the ranking. He's won two in a row, including an elevated event in the FedEx Cup, which gets you extra money and points. It's all based on money, basically. And he's only up to 16th. He did not play in a single major this year. He didn't qualify for any majors. He couldn't. He missed a he missed like a five foot putt to get into the U.S. Open. And that's when he made the switch to the long putter after that or something like that. Right around that yeah, time. I, I can't uh, I can't have him on my, my squad. I just I, I just I can't justify it. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep circling back to you know who is gonna he's gonna pick Justin Justin Thomas, Thomas. because well, I think he's not hot at all. Although he's yeah, gonna but, come but off of a major thing, vacation. But here's the thing: Lucas Glover is hot now. The Ryder Cup's not for a month and a half. It's a long ways out still. You know, like this That's... happened with Billy Horschel. They didn't pick Billy Horschel. This is the whole the whole hot golfer. You know, whatever. But my take with Justin Thomas, the more I dig into this for whatever random articles, whatever, I looked into this uh, today, this morning. Justin Thomas, for the year, ranked 38th or 39th on tour in like birdies per round. Pretty damn good for somebody who did not play well. He just made a lot of big numbers, like double bogey. You saw the three, he made multiple double bogeys. In match play, what does that matter? You lose a hole if you're playing by yourself. That's you know, you make a bunch of birdies. You can win, you can make eight birdies in three doubles, and you're gonna win probably because he still makes birdies. Um, plus he's got the experience, you know, again, and, wow. and a great track record. And he just pairs with speed. They're gonna play, they're gonna throw those two guys out there. And I, I think sadly to me, if JT gets picked, I think Ricky gets picked. I think the top 10 from right now is basically set and Keegan becomes the guy, the, the odd guy out then. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like me some Keegan. I, I, here's the thing. And Tim, if you can honestly say, if you are Zach Johnson and you honestly say, I'm just, you know, remember you are the coach, you are the person that is responsible for how this team does. Can you literally legitimately just say, you know what? I'm going to go with Lucas Glover when you've got JT sitting here and, and like in, in this, this decision is part of your legacy and, and you have to own it. If he goes out there and cannot make a putt or, you know, pulls one OB or whatever it might be. And if you, you know, win, if you win in Europe, it'll be the first time since 1993. Not to mention who beat Rory McIlroy in Paris head to head. JT beat Justin him. Thomas. He's a machine. He's a match play. He's the best. Maybe, maybe we'll go down as the best match play, you know, Ryder Cup slash President's Cup player in U.S. history. He's I five and one. I have to be honest. I, I the coaching role within the Ryder Cup just it's never done it for me. It's 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 not to me. It's not a big thing. These are professional athletes. They know what they need to go out there and do. What is Zach Johnson seriously going to sit around and think about and talk to him about that they don't already know what to do? What kind of pairing situations is he going to come up with that they wouldn't have already done as a group to themselves? So the legacy of Zach Johnson as a, a captain, I with or without Glover, I, I don't. I don't look back at any of these guys and go, oh, yeah, that was, you know, Tiger's victory, right, when he was a captain, or it was Davis Love's victory when he was a captain, right? It's just 
for me, it's not there. These guys are professional athletes. They need to, they know what to go out there and do. I I would rather, I would rather take the hot hand than someone that's been, been, you know, not, not quite performing up to, you know, his own standard, um, over, you know, it, even over someone like Keegan's had a good year, I would still take the hot hand, uh, Mainly because I have the hot hand right now, and I'm I'm really taking me into these major seasons. <laughs> but like, but but that's the thing though. It's not like the Ryder Cup's next week. It's a month and a half away. We don't know. You don't know who the hot hand really Tim, is. Tim, you're you're basically going off of earning it. Like you think he has winning the last two down the stretch. He has earned the spot. Yeah, like, that's I, I kind of. That, I think that you reap what you sow, and the the data on that new lab putter looks really good i mean he's making putts he's he's scored really well after yes it's a, a big change to make a putter change and um but that thing has has a lot of science behind it so i if he continues to play well look for him this week again if he can show up again based on ball striking and this new putter i don't if he top tens here how do you how do you say no to a guy like that well if, he, you, wins, you haven't, if he wins they'll have to take him well yeah Basically. Even a top ten, right? Then you're looking at someone like Cam Young or Keegan Bradley, and you're going, but, "Oh, but, but, but can't you picture that bitter beer face after he misses a putt to win the, you know, to win it, to win the, is it, to win the is it going to be thrilling and exciting to watch him play? No, but at least Rome is temperate, not a hundred and ten degree, <laughs> you know, heat index. He's he's gonna he's gonna look a little bit better in uh, clothes brought to him by so, RLX than he will by Linksole. So how, so what, okay, so you're going to go with the he's earned it argument. He's 16th. Have the guys who are 13, 14, and 15 not earned it more than? They're ranked ahead of him in the actual standings. I have a very short memory, Mike. <laughs> I have very short memory. So what have uh, you done for me lately? JT is is ranked lower than, or, you know, better than he is he currently. Is. It's, basically, it's basically off that major win last year. But I, I would disagree and say the captains do have a role. Because they're going to throw out, you know, what you, you don't just randomly throw guys out there. There's an order to this. You know, if Europe says we're putting out Rory and Shane Lowry, then you got to figure out who you want to play against them. And it goes back the and forth. British and Army, duh. Back and forth <laughs> I... and vice, vice versa. And same thing with like singles, when everybody's going to play, you got to figure out where you want to put your guys out, what order to try to build momentum and things like that. And I just think at the end of the day, um, Justin Thomas makes it very easy on the captain because you're just going to put him with Spieth in every single, every single partner round because they work. And you're going to put Cantlay and Xander out there in every single partner round because they kick ass. And that's half of your, that's like half of your thing. Done, just done for you. You just know you're putting them out there. It's just who you wanted to play against. Um, but, the job but Ricky, Ricky, and uh, Jordan have similar chemistry, similar sure, friendship. They play together. Sure. I think Ricky's a really easy guy to put with almost anybody. You could put Ricky with Wyndham Clark. You could put him with Scotty Scheffler. Um, Guys. Yeah. I just gonna say I've got an idea for the hype video for the United States. You get Russell Crowe to to. Uh, narrate it in his gladiator which, which voice. russell okay good that russell the Crow. gladiator russell voice to narrate it. you get the boys that you're in into the coliseum 
you get them surrounded by a bunch of screaming fans of, you know, it, it, Italians or whatever, Europeans. And you just have them kind of walk around and, and give me the, are you entertained? Like, bring it on. And you find a way to incorporate the Coliseum into your hype video with Russell Crowe narrating. Does, yeah. does that give you some goosebumps? Just dragging, just dragging body bit European body bags out of, the, out of their life. Justin the Thomas is skinny ass with like, with like she like a shield and like. But you got to do it. Protective the day. You got to do it the day after Zuckerberg and Elon do their do their boxing match. Whatever the hell they're gonna do in the Coliseum. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't think Russell Crowe's busy right now either. So he's put on a few lbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not. He's not, he's not quite in. Uh, Marcus is there anything more the American whatever than current Russell Crowe? We we want current Russell Crowe out there. <laughs> we, we, want the, we want American. the guy that played Zeus on on Thor or whatever was just fat as hell out there. <laughs> fat uh, Thor. I will say, like last year the Ryder Cup thing, I I do think, I and and maybe I'm way off here. You know, you're going to Europe. It, it is like that's the thing with Lucas Glover. It's one thing to make a pot or miss a pot in a tournament. It's another thing in the Ryder Cup. If you miss a four footer, the other side is going to cheer at this one. You know, they're going to go crazy if you miss a four footer that would have, you know, that wins all. They're going to cheer. It's not like a normal tour event, you know, where you miss a putt and nobody, nobody says anything and you tap in, they clap anyway. If you, if Lucas Glover sits there and misses a little putt or whoever, it's going to be ole, 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 ole because the Europeans won. It's a whole different animal. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But I would say you do need to me, the more I think about it, you have to have on this team, either JT or Keegan Bradley, because they have that, they both have that same in your face, not going to take any shit, you know, kind of approach, which I think you kind of need going over there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, need some fire. I think, I, a fire. I think you're missing something huge here. I don't think there's anyone on tour that can take a punch and get back up. Better than Lucas Glover. His face is like he's taking lots of them. That's facts, boys. That's a good facts. He shows up to the opening tee, and it's, it's like he's already in round, <laughs> round eight in a boxing game. match of a prize fight. <laughs> Speaking of the Coliseum, let's put him and his wife in the middle. I cannot uh, believe that that her sentencing was house arrest. Like, how are you gonna after a domestic charge? How are you gonna put her back? Are they still married? Like when he won at. The yeah, nobody the, there. No the idea. kids. The kids came out, but no wife. Grandma, I think his mom was there with the kids. There was nobody at Memphis, uh, so I don't know. But and, and we don't mean to make light of domestic abuse, but it's but more so the reason. The reason we making, no, we're making light of domestic abuse to stop domestic abuse. The domestic I don't... abuse reason might have been one of the most absurd ever. He wasn't winning enough golf. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me now. Look at me now. (laughs) On the the fucking PGA tour. It's not like some random, you know, uh, what what do they, what do they call the mini tours? The Jicky Jack tournaments, you know, it's a PGA tour. Like it's not easy to win. Well, speaking of still married, it says they're still married. Yeah. Yeah. The altercation happened back in 2018. Okay. Well, speaking of, America winning in Europe. The women's AIG was this week. And Lilia Vu, Vu shoots 67-67 the weekends to close out yet another tournament that wasn't all that, you know, close when it comes down to it. Um, you know, you had the hometown Charlie Hall trying to trying to win it for you know for her home country and fans and family and whatever, but couldn't quite finish it out because Lilia was just one of those things where it's like, all right, I guess this girl's just gonna hit every green, every fairway. 
and just play boring golf and what are you going to do to stop it? There's not much. And so like, I feel like the women's majors have all been like this. I just don't, you know, it's like one girl just finds a way to just get ultimately dialed and it just can't stop it. So I don't, Mike, you watched some of it. What'd you think? I did watch it. I love the golf course. I love the, uh, it's a Heathland course. It's not like, you know, on the coast, but they had great bunkering because the bunkers have like the purple heather on the face of some of them, which is spectacular. You could hit it into a bunker and be in the heather in the bunker almost, which is amazing. Um, I will say, you know, we talked about this a few episodes ago where the LPGA needs probably needs a couple dominant stars i think what was that they had went like 21 straight majors with, with a new different winner or something like that that changed because she's won two majors this year mm-hmm. um but i don't she doesn't have a lot of you know she's not like a flair for the dramatic you know she's not flamboyant uh but she's damn good and uh, you know i thought for a second there when charlie hull made that bunker shot for eagle to cut it to three that maybe she would crack but she birdied the very next hole and made it right back to four okay so that was over but I will say we got to talk Charlie Hall though. But I liked I like Charlie Hall. I yeah. like watching her. I mean, obviously she's easy on the eyes. We get that part, but she is like, uh, super kind of. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I know she's talked a lot about. She has ADHD. She talked openly about it. And she's got a lot of nervous energy, and you see it when she's like, you know, over the ball. Um, but she's got kind of a violent like recoil <laughs> recoil on the driver swing, and she plays super aggressively. Um, so it's fun to watch, but I thought I knew she was toast on the second hole because the second hole, when she was on the tee box, she knocked her ball off the tee. And that wasn't the first time because she did it on the first hole. Also the first two damn holes, she knocked her ball off the tee. I was just waiting for somebody in the crowd to say one, and then she put it back on there. (laughs) But, but like that you have to, that's gotta be a lot of nerves, right? Like to do that two holes in a row. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think she'll win. She'll win at some point. She's what she got second place at Pebble too. She's pretty damn good. Um, but she, uh, I don't know. She just kind of owns everything she does. She does it her way. She does not play slow. Uh, and when you watch it, the last group played in four hours and 10 minutes. She does a lot of twitching over the ball, you know, and, and a lot of looks like kind of like Brian Harmon, but not that as many. But she doesn't do any of the other shit, you know, like she's got all that done when it's her, when it's her turn to hit. She just gets over the ball and does her thing. She doesn't do a whole lot of other slow stuff. So she plays fast. I don't know. I thought Nellie Corda was the most intriguing. She hit like 16 or 17 greens in regulation and had like 30. What'd she have? 37, 38. It was like worse than her leg putting was like Tim today. Like, honestly, like she would have like, (laughs) she would have like a 40 footer and she'd, she'd put it like seven feet short. She did it like multiple times. Like it was crazy how bad her putting was unbelievably bad. She just didn't make them like Tim made all of his. Yeah. So anything else from there? Uh, no, I did. I did read more up on Lucas Glover, though, and uh, I guess his wife was upset about a seventy-eight he shot during the Players Championship. Yeah, so that's that's even the, breaking eighty is not broke eighty. Come on now, that's the crazy <laughs> thing about the story. It's like not not making light of domestic violence, but like the reason is just so bizarre. Like he wasn't golfing good enough on the you're PGA practicing tour. all this time and you're on not... the PGA tour. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. The uh, the only other thing from that is next year is at St. Andrews for the, the women. I think that's the first time going oh, there. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So they have a nice one there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to transition into a little bit. Uh, for those of you that live in Minnesota, there's a couple – you know, big tournaments that amateurs can play in. And I wanted to, I think this would be a good way to introduce some of it before these guys talk, because they, they both um, played two weekends ago, all the courses, and I'll have a little bit more detail on on that. But there's a really good article. It's called A Walk Through the Life in, uh, Walk Through the Life in the Game, um, A Life in Golf, basically. And I don't even know who wrote it. I got to find the, the author of it. But this story is just a classic. And I think we should have a little story time with Stouds here as I want to read some of this um, story because I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great um, a great uh, picture of what these tournaments have like with history and then kind of what they're, you know, how they've kind of transitioned into the modern um, game too. So basically, you know, for most of these tournaments are 100 years old, right? At least right around there, some somewhere around there, I think. Um, and they're played in late July and early August. It's you know, the competitive golf that anybody wants to play, and these are three huge, huge ones. And you've got the Birchmont that is played in Bemidji, and we'll talk about that golf course. Um, that was first played in 1931. The Resorters in Alexandria first played in 1922. And the Pine to Palm in Detroit Lakes, which was played in 1926. Um, they've always been popular. Uh, you know, you talk about tourism in those areas, pretty big. Um, you know, a lot of colorful characters have played in some of these tournaments. And I want to tell a story here, particularly about a guy and a, a couple of guys, well, at least one guy here that I think is, is quite entertaining. So here it goes. I'm going to read the story. Um, not the whole thing, but some of it. All right. So it says through the years, many great golfers have played in these tournaments. George Battelle, then the number one amateur in the country played in the early 1960s and he won in 1962, future PGA Tour players, Bill Israelson, Jack Rule, Mike Morley, along with current PGA Tour player Tom Hoagie, all have won on one of these resort tournaments. Hometown boy from Alexandria and future number one player in the world, Tom Lehman also won, along with Walker Cup team members Jim Sorensen and John Harris. The three weeks begin with the Birchmont at Bemidji, which is a uh, uh, about 6,500 yard course. This tournament is located the furthest from the Twin Cities, cutting down on the media attention. However, Bill Bill Israelson, a two-time Birchmont winner who is from Bemidji, says it is the best course. Now, I know one of us, at least on this podcast, agree would agree. So Mike can give you his his thoughts on that. But all three tournaments are motivators for young, especially local players. Um, there's a guy in 1966 named Brian Eggersdorf, a local Bemidji guy. Um, he was the first Bemidji to win. And he he basically talks about how it's inspiring if you're from the area. If you win these tournaments, you're basically royalty. And that's kind of what Israelson goes on. But here's where the story gets interesting. There have been many stories about matches that have been won and lost, none more so than the quarterfinal match of the 1976 Resorters, and the match was between 17-year-old Mark Norman from Bloomington, Minnesota, and collegiate star Ed Fiore. Now, at the time, Fiore was a 23-year-old senior at the University of Houston. In 1977, he was a medalist at the PGA Tour qualifying, won four times 
on the PGA Tour. He was one of the uh, premier players in college golf. And from Downey, California, he came to Minnesota at, at the invitation of his college roommate. And I don't know quite know how to pronounce maybe this last name, but it's Mark Hagjord. Hagjordi. I don't quite know how to say his last name. But in hopes of winning money in the Calcutta, which is held in conjunction with each of these events. A Calcutta, for those that don't know, is basically involving of selling players. I mean, you basically... You know, it's a violation of amateur status, and since it's gambling, it's basically illegal. But generally, the owner of a player will share his winnings. The owner of the player will share his winnings with the player. Thus, a player who wins or goes deep in the tournament can make some money, particularly if he buys himself at the auction. So this was going to be the plan of the two Houston guys. Okay, Fiore, very well, very, very, very good player. His roommate says, you've got to come play in this. I think we can wait, find a way to make money. Well, story goes that Fury asked what is going to be to qualify to his college roommate. His college roommate tells him that a 150 is going to get him in, which would be like a 75-75. Well, the story goes, that's exactly what he shot. Now, paired with Fiore in qualifying was 17-year-old Tom Lehman. Fiore showed up on the first tee in tennis shoes, cut off pink jeans, white t-shirt, and a straw hat. They let him in the building. Said Tom. <laughs> he was so good, he just aimed at the bunkers. Because Fiore's theory was, if the qualifying score was high, the price that he would sell for at the Calcutta auction would be lower. So buyers would think he's off his game, not playing well. Thus, be will, unwilling to bid up, you know, auction for his true ability. His score of 150 was 11 shots off the qualifying medalist, who at the time, and by the way, still a pretty good player, plays in a lot of Minnesota senior things, is Bill Israelson's 139. Well, the plan worked, as Fiore and Higgjord were able to buy him for $900 in the Calcutta. So $900 was a king ransom for college kids back in 1976, but by winning the tournament, they could win upwards to $15,000-ish from a pot that could exceed or close get close to around $50,000. Now, this is going back a long, long time. So that's a lot of money. Well, following the first and second rounds, Fiore drew this guy named Mark Norman. This is the guy going back now from Bloomington. And if I, just like a lot of these tournaments, Mike, and you can kind of chime in, you do a qualifying score and then it's basically match play, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you do two rounds of qualifying and then match play after that. Okay, so this guy was a 1975 Junior Player of the Year in Minnesota, would go on to Centenary University to play with, actually, teammate future Hal Sutton. So that's kind of a cool little story. But Bill says, this is a lot of these quotes are from Bill Israelson, but he says he knew Fiore from college tournaments in Texas, and we both won our matches. If we both won, we would face each other in the semifinals. He told me that he would give me $1,000 to throw our match. I told him he had not won his match against Mark Norman yet, but that one, I would not throw the match. Fiore attempted to intimidate Norman from this first tee. He told Norman, you got no chance to beat me. He then added, if we happen to be close on the 15th tee, he would give me $1,000 to lose the match, said Norman. <laughs> Love this guy. He sounds like a Tim, guy, Tim Clone. Is. <laughs> Man, Mike, you better bring a thousand bucks to so, Chicago. <laughs> um, and then he goes, my father, so this is Norman again. My father, who was standing next to me, said, we don't need the money. 
And Norman continued, on the 14th tee, he attempted to get me disqualified because my caddy, which was his high school friend, was playing in the tournament. And the appeal was then disallowed and play was continued. So he basically said, well, your caddy played in it. That should be illegal. That's kind of what he was trying everything. Standing on the 17th green, Norman was down one. And he had a 30-foot putt for birdie that he had to make as Fiore hit a shot to two feet away for birdie. If Norman missed, Fiore made, his match would be over. Norman's putt rolled towards the hole to the edge of the hole and in. Fiore's opinion stopped. So Fiore... In Fiore's opinion, had stopped, so Fiore hit the ball back to Norman. The ball was going in the hole, and you knocked it away, said Norman. (laughs) Fiore had not given Norman an opportunity to see if the ball would fall in from the lip. At the time, the player's given 10 seconds. So if you can imagine, the ball was about, you know, kind of stopped right on the edge, and instead of just kind of letting him walk up to it, he just hit the ball back to him immediately. And so I was there watching, said Israel, said, there's no way the ball was going in the hole. If it was uphill into a strong wind, Fury, sorry, I was there watching. There was no way the ball was going in the hole. It was uphill into a strong wind. Fury made a very foolish mistake. Tom Lehman concurred. It was not going to go. But then a giant argument ensued. In a local professional, John Baston had to call the head of Minnesota PAJ Rules Committee, Walt Gardner, and said that's a loss of hole, is what he decided, to, what he ended up ultimately deciding. Being told he suffered a loss of a hole, Fiore was livid. And he now wants a rules official, not some guy, Norman told Fiore. said, I want the USGA to rule. And within 10 minutes, the head of the rules of the USGA was on the phone. This guy's name was P.J. Boatwright, and he promptly ruled in Norman's favor. So now, Norman ends up winning the hole because Fiore interfered with the ball. Thus, instead of winning the match, with two up, the hole to go. Now they've got to go to the 18th hole, um, and it's basically all square since Fiore made a short putt. He had let Norman walk to the hole to see if the ball would fall in, which it was not going to do. He would have won the match. So anyways, kind of to, to kind of fast forward here a little bit. The 18th hole, now they're going into all square. It's a par four, 340 yards. You guys can maybe attest to it. I buried um, it, by the way. So Mike buried it. Easy, down easy hole. Easy it, hole. Easy. <laughs> it played particularly short. Um, both players were on the green in two. Norman sized up the putt, knocked it in for birdie. Fiore studied his putt, stroked it, and missed. The crowd erupted when Fiore's putt failed to find the bottom of the cup. In his final act in Alexandria was to give the middle finger salute as he stormed off into his car and trunk slammed down the road. Now, that's kind of ultimately, but um, now, because of all this situation, these Calcuttas have drawn such, you know, ridiculous money and things like that. The auctions now kind of take place, I guess, off-site. Take place off-site, yes. So. At once was a begin, you know, a big part of it at the club. You doing this is now kind of decided. But um, what a story! I think it was well worth it. Uh, to, to, I know it's kind of a little bit of a long story, but what a story! He screwed up and seventeen. He probably should have had him call the RNA as well. See if they can get this ruling overturned. <laughs> <laughs> but the U.S. Chance probably had a rule. But Ed you get a spin dial though. You got a spin dial. How much money would that have cost to get over there? Ed Fiore, man, that guy. The nickname was the Grip. He was a 10-figure grip guy. 
And he's actually okay. kind of he's got a, he's got notoriety, and Tim will love this because it's Tim's favorite tournament. He won the 1996 Quad Cities, whatever it was called, oh, the and Quad he, City Open, and that was the first time until Y.E. Yang did it that Tiger Woods lost a 54 hole lead. He was paired with Ed Fiore in the final group. Oh, is that with, who with beat a, him with a one stroke lead? And Ed Fiore beat him. Yep, Man, what a legend. What do you yeah. think my names he was telling Tiger? He was <laughs> yeah. probably like, I'll give you a thousand dollars to withdraw <laughs> right now. <laughs> I was reading I was reading an article while you were talking about it, and it said that Tiger was out driving him by 90 yards on some holes. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, with that story, I guess the floor is your guys'. Uh yeah. So we played um all three courses. Um Starting with Bemidji, which is the farthest north, which I've played a billion times. I played the Birchmont probably 20 straight years up until the last few. Um, They're all somewhat similar as they're all kind of on a lake, but not on a lake. You don't ever really, the lake never comes into play in any of the the golf courses, but you can see it a little bit. I guess the Trilex, you can't as much, but uh, yeah, Bemidji's a good golf course. They, um, I don't know, Tim. What do you think? You were you were there. I've played it a billion times. What what were your thoughts? Yeah, I would say Bemidji definitely has a bit more undulation on the land itself. Uh, it's it's a bit tree lined at times, but some of the fairways do have the width to allow you to miss a bit. Um, it's definitely somewhere that you need to play a couple times because some of the ways the fairways canter, it looks like you'll have room to miss and run out when they're actually sloping into drastically different places. I I forget the the par five that goes dog like right number nine, I believe, but nine. the slope on that left side just kicks you into just a hellhole of despair. Um yeah, you had a wonderful, rough go there. Yeah, that was a bad hole. Wonderful views of the lake when when you do get a chance to see it. Kind of a, a cool clubhouse. Um I'd say it's my favorite of the three. And then Followed very closely by Alexandria, though. I thought Alexandria was really cool. Very flowing, classic old country club, raised bunker faces, uh, fairly open and forgiving off the tee, minus the out of bounds that that Mike found uh, a couple times. Two times, yeah. Um, and then and then Detroit, which was just just tight as can be, short, dog leggy, and I think we probably would have shot better i think you played particularly well there actually but i would have shot better had i just left all of the woods in the car and just hit irons off of everything so i can go over like bemidji yeah bemidji's got a really good setting like i've said on here many times if you are from the metro area it's semi all three of these courses are not full private they're semi-private you can make tea times uh to me bemidji's a hidden gem in minnesota it's really good they uh it goes up and down so there's some slope the greens are the greens can be tricky if you haven't played there before. There's there's some lake effect. Um, there's a little bit of slope to them. They just did, I don't know how long, it's probably been a decade or more now. They did like a two million dollar bunker renovation. So the bunkers are great, really good sand. Um, yeah, really good setting. You know, 18, you come right up to the clubhouse by the lake. Uh Bemidji's a really good golf course. Uh, really fun, great, great for match play because all the par fives are reachable if you're hitting it okay. 
you know, if you're driving it well, you know, most of the par fours, you're going to hit wedges in. So it's a really fun match play course. Um, then we went to Detroit Lakes. Oh, back to Bemidji. The Birchmont, I think it was their 99th year this year. I think next year is their one is the 100th Birchmont. Nick Schaefer from Grand Forks won the men's championship. I believe it's third time he's won it. He's about, I don't know, 33 years old. Really good player. Um, then we went to Detroit Lakes, played Detroit Country Club. I don't know why they didn't add lakes to it. It's just called Detroit Country Club, which is a little bit different Um as Tim alluded to, Alexandria and Bemidji have a little bit of the same topography, kind of some up and down hills and whatever. Detroit Lakes, other than a few spots, is fairly flat uh, and is is really short. Like, I think it's like 61. 61. Yeah. And yep. Tim is right. I believe there have been years where guys have won the Pine to Palm playing, basically don't even hit driver, just hit iron, get in play, you know, get in position because you can you know, hit iron and, and hit wedge into a lot of holes, but they do a few like in course LBs and some other stuff there. Um, that one. Um, I think uh, has the probably deepest history of like really talented golfers going to it because a lot of like for years, like the whole golfer team would go and stuff like that. The pine to palm. Uh, um, that's the middle of the size one. The Birchmont's the smallest. It's the farthest north. It's about, I think, if you take all the fields, they have men, they have 30 and older men, they have seniors, super senior, women, juniors. It's like a little under 400 golfers. I believe when we were at Detroit Lakes, he told me that there were 488 signed up for the uh, Pine to Palm. And then we played Alexandria uh, the same day on our way back, which I had never been to. And I was actually... Um, very pleasantly surprised by how good the golf course was. Like it was, there was, it was a lot of slope to it up and down hills. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Bemidji. It's got an interesting backstory. I was talking to Kyle Lee, the pro. Uh, they don't really know. I know Tim looked up, and, I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like a newsletter on all three. That I've been doing some research. They don't really know though who the original, original designers were. It was like, there was a, there's oil money there. There was a railroad that came up there. So there's one, there's three state greens on Alexander. There's the Minnesota green. I think it's hole seven. It's a Minnesota shaped uh, green. It's a par three. They had, they always, they put the pin in what they say is Alexander, but it looks more like Marshall. I don't know. It's way over there. And <laughs> it, then, no, um, it was, it was way over there. Yeah, I was down here. It was down like in South Dakota. Laverne. Yeah. It was um, almost Laverne. And then there's another green that's shaped like Oklahoma that Tim was on the panhandle. Did I send you that, Mike? I figured out exactly where I put it. Oh, yeah, you did. Sometimes. Yeah, the, the, the former beer city that was then <laughs> dissolved because it used to be this lawless place, the old panhandle, unclaimed by any state. And then but, uh, the, uh, they have understand. another par three where the green is shaped like Texas. And each of those, each of those par threes, there's a flag flying with the state flag. And the story goes that the founders of the golf course or whatever were oil money people from like Texas and Oklahoma who would come up in the summer on the railroad or whatever. And they started this golf course. So it's like an ode to them. But as we were going along there, I think the pro Kyle told us that originally there was like nine 
different state greens, like shaped like different states out there. Like there was like whole one was supposed to be Iowa, which, you know, just make a rectangle green. It's you know, not to hold on. Come on. There's a nose on there. There's a, there's a but, cool little, little but yeah. So they, there's area. a few funky things, but there's only a few, there's only a few states left, but that one, uh, that course is good. It goes up and down hills. Uh, it's got a lot of history. Great clubhouse, cool little clubhouse set down in there with a the patio. It's got the Tom Lehman museum. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed, um, Alexandria a lot too. All three, you can play. Just make a tea time. You know, like you could easily do the. Well, I guess they're all about as far away. The Bemidji to Trail Lakes is about an hour and a half. The Trail Lakes to Alexandria is about an hour and a half. So you can kind of do and pair them up if you want to. But I, Jacques Wilson won the Resorters in Alexandria, which is the biggest overall. That was like five hundred and what did they say, Tim? Five hundred and thirty or something like that. Five thirty-three or something crazy like that. Yep, he won that one on a playoff one in the men's champ. I believe he's won before. So, yeah, that's the outside of the Minnesota Golf Association events. These are the biggest three, you know, kind of tournaments. And they're really fun because they're match play, which, you know, it's like I, whenever I played it, I'm sure everybody, you, you get through those first couple of days, the, the stroke play is a little more stressful because you're holding everything and, you know, whatever you're trying to. But once you get to match play, you know, you, you make it eight on the second hole. You know, who gives a shit? You lost the whole big deal. You just move on and play. So really fun tournaments, good time, a lot of camaraderie, people that have been going to these tournaments, you know, for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, they, they see their friends or they see once a year for a week and, you know, sit down, have some drinks, play golf. It's a good time. They're all, they're all awesome. Hard to get in now because they always fill up right away. Do you have anything else from that? No, I'd say if, if any of the listeners right now have not been up, would highly suggest going up and playing these three. We lose all... him there. No, we got him. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they're all independently fun in their own way, and it's always it's always interesting to see how you would shoot. Uh, oftentimes, they keep these scores up for a while, especially those that did qualify. So it was fun to see would Mike or would I qualify at, at any of these tournaments. I don't. I think I would have at Bemidji. Um, for the Birchmont, I don't believe I would have made qualifying for either of the other two. Although we were we were pretty gassed, we were more <laughs> gassed than that golf cart into that wall. You were Alexandria. Oil. You were leaking oil at Alexandria. We were walking. Yeah. We walked that one. That was, a, yeah. that was an ode to the creators as he leaks oil. Just yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> lots of oil all, Tim, all through Texas. It happened in Texas. Tim's like second to last tee shot. I was almost on the ground rolling with la- in laughter because. We were playing match play as usual, and, and I think you were maybe the match was still going on. Maybe I can't remember. And he he's like, I can birdie from there. Hit the spinniest, shortest tee shot. It it went like nowhere. <laughs> I was like laughing my ass off. It was it was basically dark. We couldn't see shit. Oh man, yeah. But now they're all good. All good. All good. good. Yeah. So look, look for Mike talked about uh, having a little write up on those. Uh, and we got a couple of comments about people that played them and like, yeah, these, these tournaments are amazing. So if you are, I don't, it doesn't matter really level. I think there's different levels and different flights that you could play in, but uh, these three are definitely the, uh, the cat's meow of, of Minnesota golf. So check that out when it comes out um, to wrap up here. We're just going to, I think we are just going to kind of chat a little bit about, you know, some, some Chicago plans as we had head there this week and, um, you know, as knowing us, we are, we're going to try to find ways to get a little bit of golf in. Um, Tim, you've got one course lined up for us on Thursday. What was it called? Yeah, so we're, we'll be at Harbor Shores, 
which is a Nicholas design in Benton Harbor, Michigan. So about an hour and 40 minutes away from Olympia Fields um, for our first round of the major, bright and, sorry, late on uh, on Thursday evening. Um, and then up in the air, how we fit the Warren course that's committed to hosted one of our, our rounds. Um, also working with Century World, Green Bay Country Club, and Stevens Point Country Club right now, uh, along with a possible round, still working on it at Ravislow, which is a Donald Ross in the Chicagoland area. Uh, but for those those listeners in the, the Chicago area or those interested in visiting Chicago, it is a particularly difficult city to get a tea time in. So if if there are any listeners out there, we'll be going over, I'm sure, in a little bit more detail about just where to go and, and how to do it if you're in the area. Um, also something I've noticed, the Chicagoans don't travel very far. I've got a couple friends in the area and they don't even make the hour journey from the south to the north or the north of the south to play different places. So hopefully some of our reviews of these courses can break some folks out of their, their shells in that area. It, uh, it's interesting because Tim and I, in the last week and a half, once we found out we we're going to Chicago, have been calling and emailing so many private clubs in Chicago. And it is like, it's like they got the, they got the normal lock. They got the padlock they got the third and fourth pad. It's so tough to get in anywhere it's amazing so we'll see we might come up with something before but i would say we, there's probably a pretty high chance we end up playing Ravislow, which looks really good yeah yeah the, the wild part too so um i'm on broken tea society as well and and golf link and a couple other places to reach out to groups and i've had good access pretty much anywhere i've gone and in, in finding members at pretty prestigious private clubs and my God, we might as well have gone up and and knocked on the door and got it slammed in our face for how things are going in Chicago. Yeah, not a tough. not a soul's chirping out there. So I don't I don't know if it's uh, an elitist thing. I have my own my own opinions on Chicago as a whole that I'll leave <laughs> off this podcast. Uh, I mean, they can't drive in Illinois. That's well documented. But um, maybe that is off the tee as well as in a vehicle. We can always go to Calumet Country Club, which is open to the public, the old Ross. Tim and I played it. $39 or whatever it is with a cart, extra 10, bring your own booze, and they sell Gatorade in a can. So we may we, 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 we may have to uh have to buckle down for some. You know, there were there were a few weeds in the bunkers and some other things, issues at Calumet Country Club, but it is an old Donald Ross. It's value central over there. Yeah. But uh, look, look for more uh, postings on, on break 80 on the podcast IG as well. Uh, I think Harbor Harbor Shores is going to be something really cool to see. And I think Mike brought up the weather already and it looks to be suiting his game for the first round of the first major or however yeah. we're doing this. If you're a big social media follower, we checked tonight. The uh, expected weather is 75 75 degrees, 75 percent chance of rain with 15 to 25 mile an hour winds. So we could be uh, we could be in for a for a tough tough go of things if you like humor. I guess hopefully Tim has a, a little spinny shot going that. Oh day. yeah. Oh no no I found these I found these new very low spin golf balls. I I'm gonna like Google online how to illegally stop spinning golf balls. Maybe I just <laughs> sand off a few dimples. 
So, and then we are also obviously planning on heading to the BMW. So we're excited about seeing there. There's 50 golfers now. So, you know, your, your golf is in, in access to players and things like that. You know, there's, there's only a, a, a set of 50. So, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of, I don't know, get access or be able to talk or whatever with some of these guys out. It'd be nice to see John Ellis there. You know, we've had him on the podcast. Maybe he can, you know, get us uh, some contacts to some other people. But yeah, it's just kind of nice to get in the door and see something. You know, Olympia Fields looks pretty cool. So yeah, be be a fun experience, and uh, looking forward to we'll obviously talk a lot more about it next week on the on the pod. And and we might probably it sounds like we're gonna bring some pod equipment. We might be doing a pod on the trip. Right. Um, I think that makes the most sense. So yep. get ready for that. So anyways, anything should we, else? Before should we, we do it? Up? Should we do one live from the BMW from the BMW? In, in York, I was gonna say <laughs> it'll probably be Jeff and I doing a lot of journalism, and and Tim will just be in the uh, this the the merchandise tent looking for BMW services and BMW polos <laughs> and to, to go with his car. But uh, perfect, setting aside money right now. I, I do, uh, I do. What we could, if we're going north on Sunday night, we could stay in the Dells and do a and do a pod live from the Wisconsin Dolls. <laughs> 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 be a great no, time. no, no! It's it's fine. It's not recording equipment. It's just audio. <laughs> Spectacular! Uh, oh. I do. Before we go, I do want to give one shout out to the USGA because the women's am they got it at Bel Air, and if you watch that, uh, spectacular! I wish they would get more tournaments on these awesome, cool rarely seen country clubs um that was awesome we had four of the gopher gals were playing uh none of them made it to match play but bel air looks sweet the only grip i had was they had it play they had the women playing like 6100 yards they could have made it a little harder there was there was like a birdie fest out there oh all right well that's all we got look forward to talking and uh and making a little road trip with the boys it's been my my first one i think this year so excited to head south with you guys hopefully the games carry with uh you know, join us. Big week, so, you guys. It's like, you know, like I said, put your, you want the underdog people, put the money on me in Vegas. I'm I'm going to be going off high odds against these guys that have been grinding, playing a lot. Jeff's in a tournament tomorrow. Oh, so, I, uh, I just realized something, Mike, you do have to drive because I totally forgot to pay the, uh, your the toll last from time. last time we were there. <laughs> Don't worry. Last time I went to Chicago. Gonna get arrested. The last time I went to play Rich Harvest in Chicago, I did the same thing. It was, wait till you look at how it works. It's such bullshit. I did the same thing because you fly through all the tolls, you know, and it just takes a picture. And then they, they send you like a, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just send it to you later. I believe the last time I went there, the total tolls was like $8 or whatever, but the bill was like 80 some dollars because of the late fee. I forgot to pay it. It was like 70 some dollar late fee. It was like, oh my God, what a bunch of just, bullshit. Just criminals, just full of criminals in Chicago. Classic. So we gotta, you guys have to remind me when we get back that I go online and check the damn. I, uh, I even set an alarm on my phone and I completely <laughs> ignored it to, to pay the tolls. And, and now I'm sure it's just astronomically high because it's been over yeah. a year. Right <laughs> yeah. get some so, content show us what that bill is i'd love yeah. to see it so i uh i'm not driving i think chicago <laughs> finally gave up on trying to contact me oh, uh, well we, we may golf in four different states here possibly there's a chance we'll see so well 
It'll be fun. The difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold chain. You hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.